to the Nifty podcast presented by Pointfish Media, a showcase of the best emerging filmmakers under the age of 25 from all over the world. The film starts here at Nifty 2022 in Seattle, Washington. Uh, my name is Amy Williams, and I am the director of programming for the festival this year. Um, and I am sitting with a very special guest, <laughs> one of our opening night filmmakers. Gabe, would you like to introduce yourself <laughs> and hey. tell us a little bit about Team Maryland? Hey, everyone. Uh, my name is Gabe Garano. And I am part of Nifty this year for a short documentary called Team Maryland. It's about a 12-year-old female boxer from the projects of Watts who loses the Junior Olympics 2018. And I follow her for a little over a year and a half as she fights in and out of the ring to try to come back and win the Junior Olympics 2019. You've got that down. I try my best. <laughs> I try my best. Um, I mean, we just have to start with the most simple. How, how did you find <laughs> this incredible girl? <laughs> Yeah, she's, yeah, I actually came across the family by pure serendipity. Uh, so I was shooting a short film in the summer of 2018 with a couple of my friends in the projects of Watts, Los Angeles. And I was shooting the film, so I had the camera in my hand. And all of a sudden, this man came out of nowhere and he was standing in our peripheral vision. And I was just looking at him like, okay, like, what's he doing here? And we said, cut. And right, right as we did that, he walked up to us and said, hey, does anyone here speak Spanish? Mm. And he was talking in Spanish. And at the time, I was taking Spanish too and thought it was an excellent time to practice my language speaking skills. So I very enthusiastically <laughs> said, hey, like, I speak Spanish here. Like, what's going on? What's your name? And he said, hi, nice to meet you. Uh, I see you have a video camera in your hand. I have a daughter who boxes. Maybe would you ever want to make a video about her sometime? Mm. And uh, I exchanged Instagrams with him and told him, why don't you reach out to me later and I'd love to connect with you then. And I did that because uh, I've met a lot of people on the street with, you know, because I have a camera in my hand and they always say, like, I want to make a video. Mm. But 99% of the time, they don't really follow up. And this was at 1% of the time that I got a really long message from Jorge's eldest daughter, Araceli. And she said that we don't have any money, but what my sister is doing is very special. And you're more than welcome to make a documentary about her. And uh, I showed my team, Julia and Jason, the message. And we all kind of knew something was special in the air with this. And I told them when I come back to USC in the fall of 2018, I would love to start documenting you. So I interviewed Maryland over the summer, just over the phone, as I was home in San Diego. And then August 25th, 2018 was the first day of production. And for a year and a half, I was sometimes ditching class. Uh, I had a season pass to go to every single football game at USC. I didn't go to a single thing. Uh, I uh, had times when I would push back all of my finals, book flights the day before national tournaments, just to capture the story of this family. And the last shooting day was January 6, 2020. So all of that really transpired because Jorge saw us filming and he made the decision to say hello. It's serendipity is truly like the best way to put that yeah. encounter. Do you know if he, if you were the first person that he ever asked that? It's a great question. Um, I think that the, the way the family operates is that they are down to support the dreams of their daughters. Mm -hmm. So the both parents work tirelessly with the vision that they want to achieve whatever, they want to help their daughters achieve what they want to achieve. Um, and so I'm sure I might not have been the 
I, I wasn't, I definitely was not the first person he asked to help mm-hmm. them with that mission. Mm-hmm. So he might have asked me as a, as a video person, but he's definitely asked uh, trainers who uh, maybe he came across on social media to help train his daughter. Just looking for know? every opportunity. Exactly. He's like, oh, this, that could be, look, wow. Exactly. So many things to do to help her. Exactly. It's for him, he's like, what does my daughter want to do and how can I like see the world in a way where it's it's the world operates in a way where it it's meant to help Marilyn like how can I bring out that mm-hmm. to just support my daughter mm-hmm. I'm geez we we sat it was an opening night mm-hmm. opening night has happened there were so many tears so many people came up to me afterwards it really moved a lot of people wow. told me that they cried the whole time <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Um, it's just it's it's I feel like it's a really, really easy piece to connect with on so many different levels. It's like if you don't connect with Marilyn, maybe you connect with her father, maybe mm-hmm. you connect with her mother, maybe you connect with just her family oh, and yeah. what they're going through. Um, you said this is a multi-year long project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what was it like to work on something for that long and how, like, how did it evolve over that period of time? It was, I'm just like, think, I'm trying to put myself back in those shoes because you know, we shot it from 2018 to 2020, and I had never anticipated working on a project this of this timeline. Um, and I would say it was one of the most beautiful experiences I've ever had the privilege to do. For me, this project was not really about boxing. Although it is a boxing documentary and we see her go to the Junior Olympics, it was the story of this family who worked tirelessly to help achieve the dreams that their daughters have. Mm-hmm. and. That to me resonated with my soul because I grew up the youngest of seven kids with a single mom and I have so many experiences of us fighting together and working together as a unit to get to where we are today. Actually, the short film that I had at Nifty, my Mm -hmm. first time, uh, was a short called DV-130 and it was a narrative about family, about this character struggling uh, to He's basically contemplating his relationship with his father and you see his relationship with his mom and his siblings. Uh, And so all of the questions that I had and the the experiences that I had with my family in this period of my life, when I had a lot of those answered, uh, it was like the perfect time for me to then transition into telling other family stories as well. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't just about me anymore, it was about helping tell the story of this resilient family and sharing that with the world. So to be part of that process of amplifying another person's voice, to be part of that process of using my experiences and in order to help uh, shine light on other families as well was something that I could not, it's it just a very mm-hmm. priceless experience uh, that made me fall in love with film again. Mm-hmm. To go into the editing process with that though was so difficult. <laughs> on the flip side, so, so filming the f- film was amazing because I had so many beautiful like aha moments and uh, so many like verite, mm-hmm. uh, so many verite moments that like blew my mind when I was filming it. And then to go into the editing process and have to cut it all down and like <laughs> chop those moments and leave them on the floor yeah. was heartbreaking. So uh, it was a, it was tough uh, to cut down a year and a half in a, mm-hmm. in a 27 minutes. But it was such a beautiful process too. Mm-hmm. So on the cutting room floor, as you mentioned, um, it, I think that it is really balanced. You mentioned that it, it it's not really a boxing doc. It, mm-hmm. It's a, it's and it's so pro- 
properly aptly named Team Maryland mm-hmm. is like you couldn't have picked a better title for yeah. it. Um, <laughs> just how did you kind of find that balance between snippets of Maryland and her family and the boxing? Because it is it is very well edited and it is wow. so efficiently like it so efficiently tells her stories and lets you connect with with everybody in such a short period of time that I would just how did you find that balance I'm still blown away <laughs> yeah that, that was a fun balance uh, that I really worked hard on crafting with my team Julia and Jason and a lot of bunch of other people uh, so Team Maryland depicts two dual storylines happening at the same time so ostensibly it's the storyline of Maryland losing the Junior Olympics 2018, and then fighting her way to get to be top ranked in the nation into the Junior Olympics 2019. And then you have the story of her illness, actually, this mystery uh, where um, a few years prior to this, she uh, got a random illness that no doctors can diagnose that left her with no motor functions, no just complete memory loss. She didn't know her mom. She didn't know what water was, uh, she couldn't function. And uh, those kind of work in a parallel timeline uh, together, Mm -hmm. leading into the climax of this Junior Olympics 2019. And um, the biggest goal we had was not only to tell these two stories, but uh, also humanize the family. So in that first storyline, the ostensible one where she's going to the Junior Olympics, we really wanted to know like, what why is she so passionate about doing this Mm. and like when she hops into the ring like what is she hopping in there for and immediately when when meeting her and filming her it was so clear that family played a role in that and i really wanted to make sure that we captured the family behind the scenes like outside of the boxing ring to me that was way more important than being in the ring and that's why it was important to have scenes of them just walking to school together uh, the family driving to work. I mean, you've included like yeah. fundraisers and swimming yes. pool, like her all birthday. Of those. Her birthday. Yeah. yeah. So, all of those moments that just make them human beings, I thought yeah. that was important. And by the time, on your note about editing, so in the final fight, mm-hmm. we have that sequence when, you know, she just had a really tough first round mm-hmm. and she hops into the corner, and the corner man is like, hey, like, are you ready? Like, we need two big rounds Gotta right now. Are it. you ready? And uh, we inserted flashbacks of all the things that you had just seen in mm-hmm. your in the 25 minutes of the documentary of like her walking to school, her illness, her hanging out with her sister, uh, and uh, it was very important to showcase that this is why she does what she does. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would be curious a little bit about just from the fam- well, from your perspective on the family. Did it take? time for them to become comfortable on camera like what was that like there was like no time whatsoever for them to become comfortable Uh, the first so august 25th 2018 my first shooting day was the first time i actually met the family in person Mm -hmm. and immediately they were so comfortable and i think it was because we started off production just doing things that were part of their routine. So that the first thing I ever shot was Maryland participating in a boxing show. And that was their nature. Like They always drove to boxing shows. Uh, they knew what they were doing. Nothing felt awkward for them. So it was all just me getting to know their space. And that day was really interesting because Maryland didn't get a, she didn't actually get a fight because there were no girls her age or weight to fight against. And uh, 
obviously that is very fascinating as a film as a storyteller because it, this could have been a story about so many things about what it's like to be a female in boxing mm -hmm. what it's like to live in the projects of watts los angeles and because of my relationship with the family and how i view family myself the story just ended up becoming about family really <laughs> and uh during the filmmaking process did you like you shot all of this for so long, you spent so much time with them, and then you squirreled away to go finish mm. the edit. Did you get their input on anything, or did you just show them a final cut? And if, like, what was their <laughs> reaction to whatever that answer is? They, so, yeah, it's a great question. I was very passionate about like making them integral to the process, mm -hmm. so I showed them uh, an initial five-minute cut, mm -hmm. actually a three-minute cut that I had of the documentary, then a five-minute cut of it. And then as the documentary got uh, close to picture lock, I showed them the version right before picture lock to get their blessing. Mm -hmm. And then I showed them the final cut. And each time has been a very emotional experience. And they are so grateful that this part of their life, their lives is captured. I think it's like, we don't know what's gonna happen in the future if Marilyn will continue boxing or like how, if they'll continue to live in, you know, where they live. But knowing that this moment of their life is captured and immortalized is like extremely meaningful. Mm -hmm. And even doing festivals, like screening it here, doing distribution has been an even bigger gift because um, Jorge uh, and Araceli, the, the parents of Marilyn, they, tr they immigrated to America uh, by crossing the border. And one of the first things that they did was attend of the uh, theater screening at uh, in Los Angeles the, at the TCL Chinese Theater. Mm -hmm. and this was in the 1990s. And this, the, the second time they ever returned to that theater was to watch a screening of Team Maryland at Holly Shorts. And that is an insane moment because to be able to cross over and and see your daughter on the, on a classic American cinema like that is like the epitome of the American dream or the epitome of what it's like to, to help achieve the dreams of your daughter. You know, I didn't think I'd cry in this podcast, <laughs> but I am, I gotta, <laughs> I need a second. Uh, that's incredible. We can't talk about this family. Uh, I need a break. Let's talk about you. <laughs> I would love your, the film that you did have at Nifty in 2018. I, I have seen a couple of times, obviously, um, and I remembered you, and then wow. I saw your name come up in the submissions with this this doc this year, and I was the first person to watch it, and I sat down wow. with it, and I was just like, Gabe, <laughs> where did this That's come from? Crazy. Like, seeing that, just from that narrative project to this doc project, it's like such an evolution of, of your craft that wow, I am so you. impressed by that I just... I, I am essentially speechless. I always want to host these podcasts with people that I really love and films that I really love, uh, but I find it really difficult because I have a really hard time putting it towards just why I love something so much. And so it's like, I'm just like blown away by you and, and this film and this family. Wow. Um, goodness. How did this project, so based off from that transition of like 2018, DV-130 yeah. to this one, yeah. how did, how has your craft, do you feel, how have you honed it over the projects? It's a great question. I feel like for me, my biggest uh, 
mentality on filmmaking right now or art in general is to not worry about the details. I'm actually more focused on having an intention and letting the world manifest that intention in whatever way is like correct for, for me. Um, and an example of that is like DV130 is a narrative short film and Team Maryland is a documentary. Mm-hmm. And before doing Team Maryland, I, I actually like had no intent, had no thought I was going to do, or intention really, mm-hmm. about doing a documentary. Uh, but it was my intention of making a story about family, my intention of expressing my experiences of fighting with my family that uh, led me to doing the documentary about Marilyn and mm-hmm. hers and her family. Because so many of the themes that I want to share with the world really align well with Team Maryland. Um, and it's not my story, you know, I'm not a 12 year old, I'm not a female boxer from Watts, but I, again, I am the youngest of seven kids with a single mom and I know what it's like to work together, to have to get to the, a place that we wanna be. Mm-hmm. Um, so my evolution currently is to hold on to that mentality of having an intention and who knows, like maybe in the next film I do will be animated or whatever uh, and I'm just, staying open to whatever the world has in store for me. That's great. I can't wait. I cannot wait for your next project. I'm so project. grateful. How, you were so supportive. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm just so impressed with you. Um, I, on top of all of this, it's like this was not, you worked with such a small crew. And it's it, like, I know you've worked with Julia for a really long time. And mm. I would love to hear just kind of how you feel that that collaborative process was behind the scenes because I don't I think people watch this this doc and they're like that had to, that looks so good that had to have taken so long with so many people and it, it did something real special <laughs> how did you pull that off so yeah I, I did it was a small team because uh, or a small team uh, like mm-hmm. initially mm-hmm. because I was the director editor and also cinematographer on it and I think we did that basically because of access. Mm-hmm. It was just easier for me to, going from USC to drive at, you know, on mm-hmm. a whim to the house and shoot and, you know, have no barriers for storytelling. Me being able to shoot is, is I'm very blessed by that because uh, I have a lot of autonomy over like how, you know, when to sh- capture the, the, the story. Mm-hmm. We don't have to wait on anyone mm-hmm. or any rental house or whatever. <laughs> but in order to tell the story right, it needed a big team. A very passionate one as well. And so uh, one of the first rules I learned at USC in my first screenwriting class was how to make a good story well told, something like that. And uh, it was our jobs as the as the filmmakers to tell the story well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I brought on Julia and Jason just because we collaborate on a lot of stuff. But I, I knew that they were, they are some of the most talented screenwriters that I know. And I felt like they were really going to be a huge part in making sure that we do this thing right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so we outlined the whole documentary. Um, we, we had a system where every shoot day that we had, we organized it by events that happened on that day. And then we went through the events and, and actually uh, assembled like potential themes and uh, put them like put all these events in little boxes like female boxer, uh, immigrant story, mm-hmm. uh, second chances. And with those boxes, we then stitched together like an outline for the story that felt right. Mm. And then, so they were really helpful on the story side of things. On the editing side of things, I went back to my old high school actually, my mentor uh, and 
good friend, I can say, <laughs> Brad Kester. He was our uh, uh, guest artist, like almost like a teacher, assistant teacher um, at our high school, Canaan Crest Academy. And he is a... I didn't know you went there. You, you know, you I know, am like, familiar with that school. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. yeah Canyon Crest is awesome. <laughs> I love it. I actually teach there part-time now. Oh, my yeah. gosh. Wow. Um, and so he helped immensely with the actual cutting process. Uh, and I sat with him after hours at, at CCA, uh, at, a, at a library, at a coffee shop, at his apartment even. And we spent hours just working on the documentary and... and and he was like uh, the consulting editor on that. Mm-hmm. Um, and everyone that I met from from the, my classmates uh, at USC, the students at CCA, um, all my friends, my relatives and everything, I would send them cuts of the film and they would give their input mm-hmm. and we would, you know, I would implement things from there. So to get it to where it is today was really a, a team effort. And I can't not... Uh, give so much praise to the composer Raphael mm. Dargent Far and the sound designer Kabakai uh, because they elevated the film to a whole nother level that I did not expect. So one of the parts of filmmaking that's so fun is like the immersion and the feeling mm-hmm. uh, and we wanted to implement the right filmmaking techniques to make audiences feel like they were in the ring with mm-hmm. Marilyn and they could feel the stakes of how big this moment was for her. So uh, they really amplified the film to, to give it that platform it deserved. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Uh, I would love to hear a little bit about, so this is, uh, Team Maryland is available to watch, mm-hmm. open to the public, uh, both with POV Shorts and the New Yorker, their doc program. Mm-hmm. I would just love to hear a little bit about your experience working with the folks over there and, and just yeah. getting, getting this out in front of an audience with them. That was so fun. That was like the, an insane learning experience. This whole film from start to finish <laughs> has just been the biggest learning experience for me. Even like sitting here with you and talking about it, like I'm learning more about how to talk about it. Like, <laughs> uh, it's So working in the acquisition side of filmmaking mm-hmm. uh, was a blessing to start. It was a blessing to start with POV. Mm-hmm. POV is, they are on PBS. And uh, they are like, they care so much about good, about storytelling, about mm-hmm. human beings, and good, you know, documentaries that, that shine light on uh, unheard stories. And what they provided was an opportunity for us to amplify the film uh, in the way we wanted to do it, mm-hmm. actually. So we were passionate about sending, sharing this film in an educational way, mm-hmm. so in classrooms. And also with uh, the community, especially the community that Maryland's from in Los Angeles. So before we got attached to, to POV, um, we did a lot of like classroom educational screening stuff, and then we also did a few um, community screenings within Watts where we got pizza, mm-hmm. we put on like a very uh, just a projector out in the park, and we would screen the film open to everyone in Maryland in the projects of Watts, everyone mm-hmm. in her 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 area. Uh, and when we attached to, uh, to POV, they did. It was like the same thing, but amplified. Mm-hmm. They made educational materials that had uh, conversation. I questions. read through that in my preparation to talk really? to you. I read through that whole thing, and it is so impressive. That's amazing. My brother actually made <laughs> I that. Saw, I wondered. I'm like, that's <laughs> got to be a relative. <laughs> yeah, because he's uh, he's a he's in the teaching industry. Uh, so you know, it was like our intentions. They matched that and amplified it and they did it the POV way. So we became mm-hmm. family with them. They also were the ones that uh, made 
our film a contender for the 94th Academy Awards. Mm -hmm. And so doing the process of the, for your consideration screenings in LA and New York, uh, and all the beautiful things that were part of that process, like made this film a very memorable experience. Uh, for me, like POV is family, Opal H. Mm -hmm. Bennett at, at, you <laughs> oh. know, at POV is like, I feel like she's my mom. Uh, and uh, the New Yorker as well, Sarah Lash at the New Yorker was mm -hmm. awesome. And she, she really wanted to champion this film and share it around. Uh, and they really, they really gave it uh, an extra boost of exposure that to a different part, a different demographic that I think really needed to hear the story as well. So huge thanks to both the New Yorker and POV. Mm -hmm. And how have audiences been reacting? Every audience, <laughs> every audience is so different. We have screened this film in so many different festivals, uh, from Big Sky, which is located in Montana, mm -hmm. to the San Diego uh, Hispanic Film Festival, which obviously is catered to like Maryland's uh, culture, to Black Star in Philadelphia, and um, it's so awesome seeing everyone relate to different parts of Maryland's story. Mm -hmm. uh, like you said. If you don't relate to Marilyn, you might relate to Jorge, the dad. If you don't relate to him, you might relate to Araceli, the mom. Mm -hmm. And maybe if no one, you might relate to Georgette, the five-year-old <laughs> sister. Um, and the biggest thing that I've learned when it comes to uh, your audience is that I think it's important to share the story with audiences that really do champion the identity and values of your subjects. So. On, also on the topic of POV, they initially saw the film at Big Sky Dog Fest, mm -hmm. where we were in competition there. And uh, you know we sent them the screener link, but we didn't hear from them for a few months. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got the advice from someone at uh, Big Sky to share the film in festivals that champion you know, the culture of Maryland. So then we, we mm -hmm. submitted it and screened that at Black Star. And it was at Black Star that, P, that POV saw it again. Mm. And I think seeing it in that context where people really identify with the story and the culture, they, they told me like that's when we knew like we have to get Team Maryland. Uh, because I think when you're, I think when they could see it resonating with audience members, they just knew that it was, something was right. Mm. Uh, and that's my advice that I can give is like, we have the ideal places we want to share this film, but make sure that we're actually sharing it with the people it's kind of made for as well. Mm -hmm. So with, I, I really like just your your whole philosophy on mm -hmm. being just open to the stories that are going to come to you in, in whatever way the universe is going to throw it at mm -hmm. you. Um, with that in mind, how are you going to take what you learned making Team Maryland with you into the future and your future projects? I think the biggest thing that I want to take, and this is kind of like, you know, a little, I'm just kind of reiterating a tiny bit here, mm -hmm. is not worrying about the details mm -hmm. and just focusing on my intention. I think that the details sometimes can be where I almost fog up, you know, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, and with Team Maryland, it, it really did feel like a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. like many times when I was shooting, I would close my eyes, like breathe, and just listen to the sounds around me. And I would like almost try to become an absolutely invisible. Mm -hmm. Like I was just like a, a, a soul or just energy floating in the air and letting like 
the camera just capture everything mm -hmm. um and i kind of want to follow that feeling again that was how i was able to make it so personal because i was just more focused on like being able to see myself in it and seeing my family in it and you know in the process of making it i wasn't really worried about like technology mm -hmm. like I, I or or anything really uh i was just focused on like capturing something that re re really resonated with me and who I am and what I'm trying to say to the world. So for my next projects, the thing that I really want to focus on is making sure that it aligns with who I am and that I'm in it for the right reasons, which is to be able to express who I am to the world and share my love for my family with everyone. Um, <laughs> so that's where I'm at right now. And we'll see how that manifests with future projects. God, you are a very special filmmaker, and this is a very special film. That's so nice of I you. Am, you are a special person, Amy. <laughs> I am super excited to see everything you make moving forward. Um, Thank you. In in which case, uh, where can people find you, and where mm -hmm. can people keep up with you if they want to see more stuff? Yeah, so you can follow me on Instagram. It's Gabriel Garano. Um, my Instagram I had in 2018 was Gaber underscore McFlavors, so I definitely <laughs> probably matured a little bit. <laughs> um, and you, everything on my Instagram is, you know, I have a link tree in my bio mm -hmm. that you can like find my website and everything that I'm working on currently. Mm -hmm. But um, if you actually have any questions about this documentary, about the filmmaking process, you can also DM me. I kind of interact sometimes better when it's just like, personal like one-on-one -on -one or something like that i don't post too often but i am very eager and open to, ch to chatting with more people about their process and everything like that so uh, yeah that's where you can follow me awesome well thank you so much for sitting here with me and chatting with me about this thank you amy yeah, you're the best wonderful <laughs> Oh, thanks for listening for more information on nifty 2022 or upcoming events the talented youth and more emerging filmmakers, check out nifty.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter at NFFTY or on Instagram and TikTok at niftyfilm. For more podcasts from Partyfish Media, search Partyfish Media wherever you listen to podcasts or check out our website at partyfish.media. Partyfish Media. Media acknowledges that it operates and records on indigenous Duwamish and Puget Sound Coast Salish land that is still home to the Duwamish tribe. This land is stolen in violation of the Point Elliot Treaty of 1855. We are committed to uplifting the name of these lands and community members from these nations who reside alongside us. For more information on this land, its people, or ways you can help, visit duwamishtribe.org or realrentduwamish.org.